Welcome to Fanboy News Network, your guide to geek culture. I'm Jeff Harris. And I'm Daniel Christian. And this is what we look like. Well, okay, so for those of you listening to the podcast, um, we're doing something a little new today if you're a regular podcast listener. Um, as you've heard in several of the previous episodes, we have have a Twitch channel now, uh, twitch.tv slash doctor underscore Caliban. And uh, we've been doing a lot of activity on that channel. Yes. So what we decided you to do... You have been doing a lot of that. So, yeah. I, I have absolutely been doing a lot of activity on that channel. So one of the things we decided we would do today was... Uh, cross at, the streams? Yeah, cross the streams is a good word for it. So we uh, basically decided to uh, live stream the recording of this episode. Which I believe I, I is episode seventy eight. Seventy. Wait. Uh, well, it, ha it can't be a round number because I'm actually here. Yeah, because so. I usually need a guest uh, host during round numbers. So um, yeah. So people who are following me on Twitch and I do have as we're doing a live stream, I'm seeing several of my regulars coming into the uh, into the chat. So we will still do an edited version of the podcast to go out through the normal podcast channels. You edit them? A little bit, you know. Yeah, when we cough or when you say, oh, wait a minute, I've completely forgot what I was saying. Or, you know, those moments where we stare at the screen for a second and go, we were talking about something. There was that guy. He was in that thing with the other person, with the other thing. thing. And yeah. No. But for people who are watching this live on Twitch, they get to see warts and all, including our faces because we turned the camera on. But I got the wart taken care of. That was so. really, I was proud of you. Yeah, thank you. It was you. good. It was yeah. good. So, um, you know, I, and that means we'll get bit drops, maybe subscriptions, maybe. But it also means there could be some interaction with the chat actually commenting about the various BS that Daniel and I talk about. In fact, uh, I would we like to... We don't talk about BS. All we talk about is it's BS. It's highly refined BS. There's I, a difference. I would like to send a shout out to a couple of my regulars, actually. I don't even put this in the podcast. Uh, Storyteller's Apprentice. Who, he needs a, a shout-out because he's my co-host on my Tuesday night stream on the Twitch channel. Oh, okay. Hi. So, you know, he absolutely needs a shout-out because he's helped me figure out, like, half of the Twitch streaming process. <laughs> he, he has been my mentor. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, and, and a really good partner. I also want to uh, say hi to Parker Edgar 23 Lady Catherine, and uh, Hex454, who are people I've known in my Twitch community, who are all... Just kind of hanging out with us right now. Uh, yeah, well, so happy, uh, to sp happy to share Sunday afternoon with you. So you know, you, you, for people who listen to the podcast, you may hear just slight variations on what we talk about. Since um, when we talk, we may be interacting with the uh, the chat. And if you're interested in the future, you can follow us at fanboy underscore network on Twitter, where I always make announcements when things are going live. And hey, the other difference is we get to swear in this one, so hey. Yeah. And and Storyteller wants you to know that he's not gunning for your co-host job on this. Oh, good. Okay, yeah, we're, he's, we're, he, we're safe. We're, yeah, we, he, we have an he, understanding. He, he's here. saying he's saying you're good. Uh, well, come on, don't you want to like you know? <laughs> so anyway, all right. Now let's get into our normal shenanigans. Uh, what? So Daniel, yeah, you've been gone. For a, yes. for a couple weeks. I, I ran away kicking and screaming from the gray darkness of Pacific Northwest. And you went to? Las Vegas. Okay. 
And oh, what? Uh, there is a, a, it is a moral obligation to take my wife to a place where we can get sunshine in our eyeballs at least once during the winter time. Um, didn't I mean we were naughty by Las Vegas standards, which means we were in bed every night by nine o'clock and we slept for ten to twelve hours a night. Um, Self care, yes. Um, Against Vegas law, I, apparently I, I drank plenty though, so th that balances things. Sure, out. sure, okay. Yeah, they made their money off of you, so uh, somehow. I mean, not gambling because you don't. Oh you no, don't really gamble. All right. She does, but I don't. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, yeah, yeah. Storyteller's Apprentice. The sun is the enemy. No, uh, no, 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 no. I am solar powered. I'm originally from the desert, so I, 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 I tolerate this, but no. Whereas I'm a native Northwesterner, and I like what is the orb? What have we done wrong? And my sister's reaction is even more um, emphatic. You so. don't get to see this, but you can imagine how many fingers I'm holding up. Yeah. So, so um, all right. So, yeah, you went to Vegas. Uh, not much happened. Um, have you seen any movies lately? Uh, yeah. The most recent movie I've seen was Jojo Rabbit. All right. Uh, wow. Holy crap. Uh, amazingly good. Uh, uh, it's a gut punch of a movie. Um, it's a comedy... Somebody said, it's a comedy so dark that Anish Kapoor is forbidden from ever using it. Um, but no, wonderful show. Wonderful, wonderful show. Uh, what really spoke to me was the, the subtext of single mother and t what she does to take care of a 10-year-old boy during the last few days of World War II in Berlin. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a really good touching movie. Uh, the only other thing I've seen recently was there's a new Shaun the Sheep movie, which is a nice cleanse after seeing Jojo Rabbit. Uh, <laughs> that just hurts. The Shaun the Sheep. Clutch shift. Yeah, just don't it, do that to my brain. It's necessary. It was really, really necessary. And it's cute. Okay. So I got to ask a question. Yes. On Jojo Rabbit. Yes. Now, how familiar are you with the other movies by uh, Taika Waititi? Uh, I loved what we do in the shadows. Okay, uh, we 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 got we were the ones that got stinky eye eye looks from all the other people in the movie theater because my wife kept laughing so loud and so regularly at uh, at the all the vampire gags. Sure. Um, I know that he was involved in Thor Ragnarok. As in he directed it, yeah. Absolutely. Yes, um, but beyond that, I'm not 100% certain what all he's done. So It's just, I, I, I find it interesting that he's got that expansive enough vision to, I mean, who looks at World War II at the, the, the final days in Berlin and goes, I can, make a, I can make a movie out of that with Hitler as a little boy's imaginary friend. And that's the thing, is that it, it is... Yeah, I mean, you, I remember seeing Downfall, the the one the the video that is everyone on Live's line likes to make a the uh, meme the meme of Hitler losing his mind over what's happening and just putting in different subtitles, um, and to take it from that to what he what what he did, um, I also love the fact that frankly it was a brown Jewish man. Playing Hitler in whiteface, that, yeah. So, which was a lovely little middle finger in the general direction of, of, mm -hmm. yeah. And and in chat, storyteller is pointing out that uh, Watiti was also involved with the Mandalorian. Oh, he he directed 
I believe he directed the finale okay. of the season, and he was the voice of the bounty hunting droid. Uh, and uh, apparently he did have a lot of influence with Favreau on crafting the series. So cool. uh, he, uh, right now he's one of those, it, it, people are realizing he's a very talented creator, both as a director and a writer, uh, a, a, a wonderful actor. And, you know, he is doing the next Thor. Yeah. Which is doing the uh, the uh, female Thor storyline, which means Natalie Portman gets a hammer. And hey, if they can give a, ca- a hammer to Captain Rogers, why can't they give one to Natalie Portman too? Sure, fair enough. With that, uh, so of the recent movies I've seen, because I, you know, try and go to the theater fairly regularly. Uh, the I did go with my wife to see. Okay, depending on what week you saw it, it was either Birds of Prey and the Fabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Yes. Or it became Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey. Uh, either way, it's the Harley Quinn movie that came out. And, okay, with themes we've discussed in this podcast in the past, we clearly have to talk about the BS that went on with people trying to craft the narrative of this movie as a failure. How? How? Well, again, it's it's they're comparing, oh, it didn't make as much money as Aquaman. Okay. But the things you have to Did keep they... in mind is it had a much smaller budget. Yeah. It was R-rated. Yeah. And it made its budget back and it's made a profit. So it's not it doesn't fall under the technical definition of a flop. It just wasn't an enormous moneymaker. But when you're playing the expectation game, it's really easy to frame it as, oh, this movie failed. Because nerds have high expectations on lots of things, which is nice. And can be a bit of a problem. Yeah. So, um, that aside, uh, as a movie, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Good. I'm, it, I get to see it this Friday. So. It was. A, it was. A, and a part of that was I did go in with an expectation of, in a lot of ways, Harley Quinn exists in the DC narrative, much like Deadpool does in the Marvel. They're the same character. Well, I mean. They, they wear red and black. They break the fourth wall. They are of ambiguous sexualities. Uh, okay, I mean, they're, each, they're one's, ha- each one of those is a fair parallel. I'm going to have to give those to you. They're potty mouth. They have a crush on, on one of the big bads, or one of the, the main characters in their universe. Can I go on? No, I think you've, you've made your point. Oh, okay. So with the... All right, there were several things I really enjoyed in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um... And maybe it's because I've written so much on this and been doing this podcast. But anytime I am looking at a movie, if I see something where there was a conscious effort to avoid the male gaze, I'm happy. Oh, you mean, what? for those of you playing the home game, that means that Harley Quinn doesn't spend half the movie bending over. True, yeah. Um, uh, chat, you know, storyteller in chat's also making the point that the DC equivalent was supposed to be Deathstroke. If I remember correctly, by the timings they came out, it was, uh, Deadpool was originally meant to be a riff off of Deathstroke and he went into his own little tangent. Okay. But yeah, cause it was, he was Wade Wilson and Deathstroke was Slade Wilson. It yes. wasn't well disguised, but people have forgotten it now because Deadpool has eclipsed Deathstroke, which is actually fairly impressive. Um, but back to Harley Quinn. Yes. 
Back to Harley Quinn. Um, so yeah, the movie, uh, it had a very, fr- what I loved was the part of the device was Harley Quinn is telling the story of the events of the movie, which gives us aspects of unreliable narrator. Uh, also the fact that she is, she has such disjointed thought processes that at times she, something happens and she goes, Oh wait, maybe I should go back and explain why this is happening. And then the movie literally rewinds. Excellent. Okay. And, I was and hoping goes, there would be something And like goes that. back. And so, um, this is very much a movie from Harley's perspective and which helps that Margot Robbie actually produced the movie. She fronted a lot of the money. She basically willed this movie into existence. Good. Thank you. And, um, you definitely get moments where you have, um, the the moment and my wife was cackling when this happened in the film, when during a fight scene Harley comes up to Black Canary and hands her a hair tie, <laughs> <clears throat> and then she was like, "That's the moment you knew that female creators made this movie." There you go. The um, but yeah, it's also I'm pretty sure this movie holds the record for the number of nut shots. She carries a baseball bat. She's gonna hit balls. <clears throat> yeah. Right across the plate. Uh, certainly enjoyable. I've talked to several friends who've seen it multiple times in the theater. Yeah. It has its audience. It's just, it's the meta narrative of people desperately trying for various reasons to frame it as a failure. The thing is, it's still in theaters. It's still, uh, yeah, it's still in the top 10. I mean, part of that, it was released in February, which is a traditionally lackluster month for movie releases. Now, a lot of people are like, well, what about Black Panther? Black Panther did not play by any of the rules no. when it came out, including it did not play by the normal box office rules of February by becoming a mega hit. Well, the thing that gets me is more from the perspective of, okay, so right in around the same time you have Ford versus Ferrari. Yes. And Birds of Prey. Birds Roughly. of Prey was made for less money. Yes. Made more money mm-hmm. than Ford versus Ferrari. Okay. And Ford versus Ferrari is held up as this big old hit, and Birds of Prey is somehow a flop. Makes yeah. more money, cost less money, so therefore made more money in the long run. Yeah. Did I miss something? No, not really. Although Doppelganger Hunter points out that Sonic the Hedgehog also came out. We're, don't worry, Doppel. Uh, we're getting to that. It's on the list of things to talk about today. Uh, yeah, but, Steve Carey still has a has a career. What a don't, concept! Don't get ahead of us. Oh, don't get ahead of us. Doppel, he can do it. He's in chat. Yes. Um, also, uh, it is being pointed out that uh, Harley Quinn represents an unfortunately underused aspect of female protagonists. Despite her being crazy, she's smart. She's you know she is a psychiatrist. And in the movie, they show this. They show her using the fact that she has a background in psychiatry. To play mind games with people, which is part of where that unreliable narrator comes from. And those moments of, oh, behind all of the of the, the nuttiness going on, she she does know how to probe for weaknesses. There's madness, but there's method in it. Some guy said it like 400 years ago. Yeah, and it's, uh, again, because Storyteller is making some great points. He is gunning for your spot. Oh. Yeah, no. I, no, he's not. No, you can't. He's mine. So anyway, uh, he's pointing what's uh, commonly seen nowadays is isn't the the smart female protagonist, but instead Wonder Woman, um, you know, s- you know, strong and maybe forceful, but not necessarily 
cunning, and planning. Where with Harley, for her to succeed, yes, she uses the crazy, but there also has to be a certain amount of... I, I even see that in her fighting style, where it's, it's a fighting style designed to deal with the fact that she's not as strong as her opponents. Well, so she has to do other things to win. There's the not as strong, but there's also just the aspect, I mean, to take a step back and look at something like martial arts movies, where mm -hmm. there's the drunken master form, where you have someone who looks like they are impaired and inebriated, and they're still dancing around you because they have that, that, that wonky, fluid more the, movement. Yeah, the flow. And uh, it's that same thing of people go in expecting, oh, she's just this little, weak, little, crazy girl. And it's like, yep, and she's going to, eh, whoop, whoop, sort of thing. Yeah. So, uh, and, and, you know, we're focusing on Harley. The rest of the cast, you've got... Um, Mary oh, Elizabeth Winstead. Yeah, as Huntress. And I, what I love with that, and again, this is a very clever take on the character. They play up the fact that she spent her whole life training as a fighter and an assassin to uh, take out the people who killed her family. And they play up the fact that because of that, she has... She's a gender-swapped Inigo Montoya? Excellent. Yes, but also she doesn't know how to person. Uh, when it comes to actually interacting with people, she she can't because she didn't develop along those lines. She's been in the revenge business so long. Yes, okay. So, uh, but they play it really well. There's a whole thing about she's like... I'm the hunt. You know, the newspaper called her the bow and arrow killer. She keeps trying to say, "I'm the huntress." Like she expects people to know who that is, mm -hmm. and the truth is, you, no one knows because, um, you know, she, and, and every time she tries to deliver the line, she flubs it because she doesn't know how to interact with people. And but it's a brilliant moment of thinking about how would a character function. Mm -hmm. It's not just making her an ideal fantasy. It's somebody sat down and thought for a second, how would this work? So it's just. It's it's a well written film, um, despite the fact that it does the the shiny and crazy. Also, a very very good performance from Ewan McGregor as the villain. He plays bad guys. He does. He does, and he plays uh, Black Mask uh, as a standard Batman villain. And they does do that mean he talks like this? No, it's really interesting because they the way they play his character, they play up that he is a character that yes he's smart, yes he's taking over. Um, Gotham's underworld, but he's also very insecure. And you see a difference in, in moments when he's in control and relaxed, how he behaves, versus moments when he's threatened or things aren't going his way, how his behavior changes. Um, yeah, it's, it's uh, like, yeah, it's done well. It's, again, got an audience. Uh, I was at a party last night and a friend of mine told me she's already seen it in the theater three times. It's getting a lot of repeat business, and as Storyteller is pointing out in the chat, uh, is probably going to go nuts on home release. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, well, you know, it's interesting. It's it's going to be um, the movie How to Train Your Dragon, when it came out, was initially considered to be an underperformer. But what happened is it kept, it had very little drop in audience and kept making money, so they kept it in the theater. And so, despite those opening weekend expectations, it became a hit, spawning two sequels and a TV series. I think oh. two TV series, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, and and I was thinking about this with Birds of Prey. Yeah, it didn't have the splashy open. Yeah, it didn't have... You know, everyone talks about all this stuff, but it's still chugging along. 
And you know what? You know what's going to be better? A, a really sudden rush of cash, and then that's it. it. It should leave the theaters. Or, all right, it didn't make a lot of money at the beginning, but it just keeps making. It just keeps going and keeps going and keeps, uh, um, you know, putting it on. Yeah, and and that's, you know, that is how. Uh, that's a fine model, but it's not the model Hollywood works for. Of course not. But it's still a workable model. Yeah. So. Uh, speaking of how to train your dragon, this is our segue. Yes. We, we love our segues here on, on Fanboy News Network. Those of us with neck braces, yes. So uh, one of the other movies I've seen recently is Call of the Wild. Oh, yeah. Harrison Ford and... And, and, and the dog. I bring that up because... And a bunch of ones <clears throat> and zeros. It's um, directed by Chris Sanders, who directed How to Train Your Dragon. Ah, that was the connection I was missing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, I, I, I was prepared. Huh? <clears throat> that yeah. makes one of us. Yeah, yeah. So um, when I went in, now this was a must-see because Call of the Wild is one of my wife's favorite books. Ah. Uh, she lived for several years in Alaska, but even before that, she loved it in, uh, from from school. Uh, she reread. It's a book she rereads periodically. So she's very familiar with the story, and she was very invested in, let's go see the uh, the movie. And we did. And it was enjoyable. She enjoyed it. I'm not, I did not ever actually read the book. So I went in with less expectations. Uh, certainly an enjoyable film. I mean, it has a lot of Jack London's themes that you would expect. Um you know, the bond of, of the dog and the various owners, the, the idea of, you know, the underlying idea that in every dog is a wolf. Okay. Uh, and that the, and, and some dogs you can believe that more than others. But uh, my dog, you can believe, was ancestors are a wolf. Uh, the owners of pugs, uh, it, it, it takes a little bit more work to, to, to go there. But still. Uh, and this is a movie that's been filmed multiple times. Yeah, usually with real dogs, though. And that's kind of the point. That that's my frustration with it. The thing that takes you out of the movie is they completely CGI'd the dog Buck. Now, the CGI uh, makes dog Buck the exact breed mix that he is described in the novel. And there were the, the use of the CGI dog is weird because there are multiple multiple scenes in this movie they could have easily used a real dog so uh in the book they describe buck as a uh saint bernard collie mix i'm just trying to imagine how that it would work out but okay yeah well chris sanders dog is that exact mix convenient from the book so he based buck in the movie off of his own dog but what you come down to is the movies that, that Chris Sanders has made are Lilo and Stitch, How to Train Your Dragon, and The Croods as a director. Now, he's written many, many movies, but as a director, those are his three movies. Okay, I'll give him credit for, for, uh, for The Croods, because to this day, we, my wife and I still throw in the... Dum, dum, dum. But the point is, everything he's done is animated. Yes. And with Call of the Wild, this is his first live-action movie... But he's still got an animation, and not just, I'm saying, not saying animated character. He got an animation character in Buck because Buck has all the aspects you would expect from a dog in an animated movie. Yeah. He has human expressions. He has action sequences that you would not expect from a, um, 
If you're hearing banging in the background, by the way, I have somebody working uh, on my bathroom and apparently it got loud again. All right. So as I was saying, uh, Buck is a animation style dog. He has human expressions. He And animations. It's, an, it's CGI. But my point is that he's doing things that a real dog wouldn't, but a character in an animated movie would. Yes. It's not even having a CGI animated dog trying to act like a dog. It is having a CGI animated dog acting like a dog from All Dogs Go to Heaven. Which is a problem. So it does have very uncanny valley. Now, you still have a lot of the emotional resonance. I mean, I get hooked in, but I, I own a germ, two-year-old German Shepherd that I, I love dearly. And so just the fact that I'm a dog owner, I'll have certain reactions. Of course. But within the movie, its challenge was... Uh, just those moments you get knocked out because because Buck should not be giving Harrison Ford the side eye. <laughs> These days I give Harrison Ford the side eye, especially if he keeps up with the uh, whole idea of Indiana Jones 5. Which apparently they're doing. Anyway, so that that's called The Wild. So the last movie I saw that we're going to talk about in this current wave was Sonic the Hedgehog. I went and saw Sonic the Hedgehog. All, all you, man. Um, I, all right, I have a membership to the movie chain, uh, locally the AMC uh, A-List yeah. membership, which means I get to see, for $20 a month, I get to see up to three movies a week. Um, and so if I see two movies in a month, that membership has paid for itself. And this last month I saw three. Uh-huh. So, and part of it was, oh, hey, there's nothing going on tonight. Sonic's the Hedgehog's playing. That trailer looked interesting. Plus, it'll give me something to talk about on the podcast. So, I went. Uh, and there was a lot of controversy when the first trailer came out because the character design of Sonic in that first trailer, uh, the kindest word I can use is god-awful. <laughs> Okay. It 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 was it was really uh, somebody made the decision, let's give Sonic realistic looking human teeth. Yeah, and that was that was just one of those huh. Right. Well, that was certainly a choice. Well, I'm not sure it was a good choice, but it was absolutely a choice. Uh and the backlash was so bad they had to go back and there's a lot of question how much of the actual animation was done at that point, but there were about six to eight months of additional work done on the of the uh, movie to redo all the animation so Sonic looked more like the character from the video game. Or as as Hex is putting it in chat, we cyberbullied an entire movie corporation to fix it. Can we talk about? Yes, we're talking about that now, Hex. Yes. We we the. So I have heard stories, because I did a lot of reading on this, that apparently people had told executives ahead of time, maybe we shouldn't do this. And there's like, oh, no, no, somebody in the decision-making process went, it's fine. I have talked to people who've worked in the uh, film industry before where for X-Men United, the third X-Men movie, which was the first take at the Phoenix Saga, that several times they tried to do the Phoenix Raptor fire effect around Jean Grey. And an executive went to the special effects guy and said, if I see that goddamn bird in this movie one more time, you're all fired. 
So we can't always trust executives to make good aesthetic decisions on a on a franchise, especially a well-loved one. I think you could end that sentence a little earlier as far as not trusting executives. Prob- probably not, no. That's just the anarchist in me. Absolutely. So with Sonic, so they made the design look more like... Um, more like Sonic. So here's what I have to say about Sonic the Hedgehog. It was a f- perfectly enjoyable movie. It was paint by the numbers. If you've seen the Smurfs, if you've seen any movie where they take a fantastical character, bring him into the real world, and he has to team up with a human to either get back home or do something else to survive, you've seen Sonic the Hedgehog. It's familiar territory. However, the creators at the very least cared enough to at least try and do it well. The reason Sonic the Hedgehog works as a movie is A, they cast Jim Carrey and just told him, Jim, just go full Jim Carrey. (laughs) Just go as Jim Carrey as you possibly can. So that... You never go full Jim Carrey. that, That carries so much of the movie. Just Jim Carrey going, I am being... I'm. It is literally in my contract to say, leave no bit of scenery unnawed. <laughs> Much like how they, they, they got Nick Cage to do the character in uh, Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah, go the full Nick Oh, you want the full Nick Cage. Yeah, go the full Nick Cage. Same thing. They, they just took Jim Carrey, aimed him, and went, go. Uh, second, they hired Ben Schwartz as the voice of Sonic. Ben Schwartz is a comedic actor. He's done stand-up. May he, the Schwartz be with you. He was on Parks and Recreation, uh, but he is on his quest to collect all the blue characters. <laughs> and by that I mean he has played, he has voiced Michelangelo on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. He's voiced Dewey Duck on DuckTales. He is now Sonic. He is looking for his Smurf. I was going to say, that would be the next. And yeah, so he's, I, I think he's hoping to be a Power Ranger at some point. Is Optimus Prime available? No. Uh, no, the, I don't know who, I don't remember who the new Optimus Prime is. There's a new Transformers coming out. We'll talk about that a little bit. Oh my, we're uh, at half an hour and we're still on movies. He's happy. This is, well, we don't have a lot of TV to talk about this week. So that's, Speak for yourself. that's fine. Um, so yeah, it, uh, a fine voice actor. And then James Marsden is a solid leading man. It, this is the second time he's done this story. He did it before with a rabbit. Now he's, now he's doing it with a hedgehog. So, well, and speaking of the whole animated character comes has to deal with the real world that is another movie that we've i've seen since last time we recorded which was uh detective pikachu yeah you- again kind of well except that one was at least a more original take i believe or not you're giving me a face i i the twitch I, people can see the face and it, and it is a twitch because yeah um uh, that was where I realized that uh, the, that Ryan Reynolds has one character that he plays in everything. And while sometimes it can be fun to listen to him to do the whole stream of consciousness thing, I mean, after all, you're watching us, um, he, it, it just didn't, I mean, I was watching Bill Nye in that, and you could just see him saying, okay, if I make it through this scene, I can pay for the yacht this month. If I make it through this scene... I, my kids' braces are finished. You know, it's just it was, it was a, it was, yeah, yeah. So I'm being corrected. Leonardo is the blue uh, turtle ah. in in the current one. So he's Leonardo, not not Michelangelo. Correct. And that's right. I knew that. I was just, I was inversing my turtles. 
I'm not going yeah. there. Also, the fact that Ryan Reynolds always pretty much is playing Deadpool, which means Ryan Reynolds is pretty much always just playing Ryan Reynolds. Yes. You're yeah. welcome, Canada. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I want to talk on movies, really briefly, a uh, movie trailer that just dropped, Candyman. Ah, yes. So this is Jordan Peele's uh, written a new take on Candyman, which appears to be a sequel. It does. It appears to be following up, uh, noted by, they have Tony Todd back, and they have, um, I can't remember the actress's name, but she was Virginia Madsen's best friend in the original movie. Uh, oh, oh, sorry. I was like, who can make another rainbow? What? No, 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 no. Candyman, the horror movie. Ah, right. With Not, the with the bees and the hook. Never saw it. Big shocker. Well, okay. I was thinking Sammy Davis. Jr. I'm the horror. I'm the horror fan. So that's. Um, so yeah, it's and it looks like a really good take. It's got the. I'm going to blank on his name right now, but the actor who played Black Manta in the uh, Aquaman movie and Doctor Manhattan in the Watchmen TV series is our lead. Okay. So um, and. Uh, I, occasionally, it, if you see me squinting, it's because the thing is just a little too far away for me to read, and it's like, what? Yeah, he's he's Daniel is trying to read the chat, uh, which is I don't get out much. This is new. It's something yeah. flashing in front. of I my do face. like somebody says, "How dare he mock the Ryan?" But yes, that's uh, you know. All right, um, so let's move on to TV, shall TV. we? TV, okay, sure. Um, and I, I think the big, if, especially because in chat they're like, "Please tell me we're going to talk about Picard." Yes, we're going to talk about Picard. Right now, as a matter of fact. In fact, right this moment. How's this for a better segue? Hey, how about Picard? We're going to talk about Picard. Um, so, yeah, Star Trek Picard uh, has uh, is now, um, the first season has started. Uh, it's on CBS Access, which is one of the streaming services that does weekly release instead of binge drop. So, you have to wait every week for the episode. So, we're partway, I don't know how many, I think we're, a little over halfway through the season because I think it's only an eight episode first season. I just am so deeply amused that people who actually release stuff like television used to, uh, it's like, oh, it's this new innovative. No, it's TV. Yeah, it, it's just they're not doing binge drop. And there's a certain argument for how well that works because certain shows like The Mandalorian, the weekly build of anticipation really worked well. Hey, worked seven of eight, seven out of eight times for Game of Thrones. So, <laughs> so uh, the um, the thing with Picard is a lot of people have been focusing this that it feels like doom and gloom that we're doing a darker take of the Federation and no, that was Deep Space Nine. And well, but I mean, while there are aspects of it, the to me the focus of the series is still you have Jean Luc Picard who still basically holding on to a lot of his ideals and still trying to go out there and do the right thing and perhaps correct the mistakes of the past. Wait, he's an old white man trying to correct the mistakes of the past? There's certainly, yes. It must um, be fiction. Okay. That, that is, oh boy. Oh boy. Here we go. <laughs> uh, yeah, one person. But is he though? Well, the interesting thing is it's, it's a lot of it's dealing with Picard dealing with his regrets. Yeah. You know, things, things, but the thing I love within the premise of the series is that it takes a plot point from the J.J. Abrams movies and looks at it logically and moves forward with it. Okay. And that is that in the Abrams movie, the whole uh, uh, instigating moment that caused Nero to time travel back and change the timeline 
was the destruction of the Romulan homeworld. That is still a plot point in Picard, but instead of tr time travel shenanigans, it's the original timeline, and it deals with the that Picard was leading the relief efforts for the Romulans until Starfleet shut him down. And, I mean, there's more, but I'm honestly at this point trying to avoid some spoilers. Um, and... Uh, it's also being pointed out in chat because he seems like he's gotten less diplomatic and composed, you know, Picard. Oh. Um, well, it's, it is a, taking aspects of previous Star Trek lore, um, going forward with them. It, it's definitely not the next generation sensibility. Um, I would hope not. There's a lot more looking at, uh, yeah, the Federation is a great, uh, a great thing, but it's got its flaws, and this show is definitely looking at the flaws. Uh, but it's also looking at there are still people trying to do the right thing. Well, you think about it. I mean, that that has become such an overarching theme because uh, Next Gen was what late eighties, early nineties. Yeah, and you know things have changed a little bit. Well, at, as always, Star Trek it, at its best is a reflection of where our society is. Yeah. And Picard is taking a look at how a lot of things are going and commenting on it through science fiction, which is just how that should work. I was going to say, that was Gene's idea, if I remember correctly. And what's it, one of the producers is Gene's son, Rod. Rod Roddenberry? Yes. And I was having a discussion this week with somebody. Gene did his son no favors by naming him Rodney. But in going by Rod, Rod Roddenberry. But well, Rod, Rod Rodney Roddenberry doesn't sound much better. Yeah. So Rod Roddenberry is one of Sorry. the producers and does feel that at the core of what his father was going for still exists in Picard and is perfectly happy with it. So, uh, and you still have obviously Sir Patrick Stewart giving an yet another acting clinic. Um, He's good at that. But surrounded, I mean, Michelle Hurd, Allison Pill, Henry hey. Treadwell. You I'm happy Allison Pill's getting work. She's awesome. She, yeah, yeah. I saw Allison Pill. It's like, okay, well, there's one actor. So, oh, Henry Treadwell. I loved him in Penny Dreadful. Uh, and Who's he in? Doctor Frankenstein. Oh. And he plays he plays a Romulan. Um, they brought back. There are previous Trek actors in the show, but they're not necessarily the focus outside of Picard. Uh, they tend to be guest stars, and it tends to focus on Picard and this new cast of characters. Um, it's fascinating in that it's one of the better in-depth looks at the Romulan culture because you have both antagonistic and sympathetic Romulans. Oh. In fact, Picard, when it's opening in the first episode, he has two people living with him and taking care of them are two Romulans who um, are there because he tried to help. So the, the, the least they feel they can do is help be his caretaker in his later years. Uh, and you also have uh, one of the crew members on his mission is a younger Romulan who, as a boy, bonded with Picard during the relief efforts. You also have a more expansive look at the Borg, looking not at the Borg as a collective, but what happens to the individual Borg when they get cut off from the collective. And looking at the individual drones as victims, rather than as the the omnipresent threat of the Borg. Uh, so in the end, it's still at its core. Let's look at the humanity of the situation. So I'm enjoying it. It's it 
it is what made me finally plunk down money for CBS access. Uh, eventually I will get around to watching discovery, uh, and watching strange angel. Let's, let's admit it. I'm going to have to watch. I'm going no, to, no, have you to have to, you have to hate watch strange angels. That, that's the only way to do it. You I, have to hate watch. And, strange. And I hate, hate watching things. That's why I stopped watching Gotham. Yes. But yeah, I understand that. Right, so, so for the strange angel thing for podcast listeners and Twitch viewers, um, I wrote an article on Fanboy News Network several years ago about Jack Parsons, who was one of the founders of the Jet Propulsion Laboratory and was also, at the time, America's leading occultist. One of America's. Certainly one of the top leading occultists, and uh, which was an interesting dichotomy. He, uh, he and his roommate, the guy know, may, might know his name, Ron Hubbard. Yeah. So the... Uh, he, the CBS uh, All Access did a TV series about him called Strange Angel. Um, it's a, it's a, you know, uh, I, I'm sure it's a take. I'm going to have to watch it and judge for myself. Yes. Uh, because, you know, reasons. Yes. I, I, I yeah. Moving on. Fair enough. Uh, otherwise, you're going to see the vein start forming that, in my that, forehead. That thing and, happening. No, no. just because you get to see the Twitch stream doesn't mean you get to see me Twitch. That's, you know, fair. Yeah. Um, what do you have for TV? The only other thing that I have to add for TV is, so, Backstep. Um, I started reading, and we'll get to reading in a minute, I get it, uh, the uh, Garth Ennis graphic novels of The Boys in anticipation of the Amazon Boys series. Okay. And I've been greatly, greatly enjoying the the original uh, graphic novels. The I finally got to see. I only saw the first episode of the first season for uh, for the boys, and I was relieved it wasn't as graphic as the graphic novels. And if that's the best I can say. I mean, it was interesting, but I, I, more than anything, I want to finish the graphic novels more than I want to see what happens in the rest of season one. But I'm also getting to go to Emerald City Comic Con, so I get to see the panel and see what they have to say for themselves at the time. So, yay. Sure. Sure. Um, yeah, I don't think I, I haven't had a chance. It, at the time of this recording, season two of Altered Carbon has only just dropped. So I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, so I, I can't form any kind of uh, review of it. Uh, at this point, uh, I think I've reviewed what happened with Crisis on Infinite Earths and the CW stuff enough. Yes, and this way you don't get to see my eyes roll into the back of my head yeah. because the whole concept of these alternate timelines just drives me batty. Can you imagine if we were doing this streaming of our recordings back when I had to explain the history of the character Cable from the X-Men to you? That, that episode, I had to have an eyeball extraction out of the back of my head because I'm just like, what the? Well, yes, we can swear, but what the heck? Ah, sorry. Yeah, it hurt him. Mm-hmm. It hurt him bad. Uh, all right, so uh, I do want to touch on comic books here for, for a, a, a short bit because there's been big news this week in the world of comic books. Okay. Uh, and that is that DC Comics fired Dan DiDio. Gesundheit, what? So Dan DiDio was one of the was the co-publisher of DC Comics along with Jim Lee. Uh, he was effectively the man in charge. 
Okay. With because Jim, Jim was focused on stuff in the um, a, a lot of the ancillary stuff. I mean, Jim was involved, but a lot of things were falling to Didio for the actual guiding of DC Comics. And Didio is um, a controversial figure in the in the comics community. I love how he he's the gentle, tactful one. I'm just like what. It's true. It's very true. Well, and the uh, this is we've this is 15 years of friendship right here. 20. Gosh, shut up. No, it won't be 20 till next year. I was going to say the the advancement of linear time weirds me out, man. It is literally the most predictable thing in the universe. Yeah, so you say. Uh, anyway, the the point is that that again, if you look at the website and the articles on Fanboy News Network, look up Dan DeDio. Written about him a lot. He is the person who decided, hey, I got an idea, the new 52. Let's do Flashpoint and let's reboot the universe as the new 52. Hey, let's have Superman date Wonder Woman. Hey, uh, no superhero is allowed to be married. Hey, um, you know, let's let's lose the creative team on Batwoman because let's we we want to completely re-up all the plans we've already approved. Uh, let's what could possibly go wrong? Yeah, um, he is the reason the website has DC done something stupid lately was created. Oh, I thought that was Mark Millar. No, no, no. he he usually infects Marvel. Oh, okay, uh, got to get him straight. So, um, oh, Dan, DC, Mark, Marvel. Okay, I'm, yeah, I'm with you now. There's your mnemonic. Very good. Uh, so uh, the thing is, lately. Um, Again, with DC, you get a mixed bag. You have the entire Watchmen DC Universe crossover uh, where Dr. Manhattan, the whole reason the new 52 happened was Dr. Manhattan started monkeying with time. And In light of what's happened with the HBO series, that would be very entertaining, but go on. Yeah, and the, you know, you name it. But he is, now there was a big initiative Um yeah, it's being pointed out. DC has done a whole crossover series to handle resetting their timeline. And series plural. Yeah. Many, many times. Ever since Crisis on Infinite Earths, not the TV crossover, but the original comic series, there's always, oh, we, we messed something. We, we might want to go, you know, Hawkman has no idea who he is anymore. Not. He's Hawkman. No, he's not sure about that. Oh, okay then. So, um, anyway, with the deal gone, there was a question of why did he get fired? Uh, things had, you know, for a industry that's eating its own tail, uh, DC had been doing fairly well. Well, it has to eat its own young occasionally too. But, uh, he had, and he had this new initiative, which was going to be called fifth gen, which was, uh, be, uh, isn't that the new cell phone thing? That, no. Okay. That's 5G. There's the, the, the initials are the same. Okay. Yeah. Whatever G. So, uh, with the idea that they were going to re-fix uh, re the timeline from what Dr. Manhattan did, and that was going to age all the superheroes, and so Superman and Batman were going to finally retire, and their sidekicks were going to take over. That's never going to happen. Well, that's currently the plan. That's the upcoming storyline. But that was the Dio's current plan, and he's now been fired. The And nobody, the, the industry has nothing but rumor to work on for why, why Dan has been given the, the heave-ho. Um, 
there is some thought that Dan ha has often come up in the discussion of the hostile work environments that can exist in DC Comics and that he did enable some of the broken staircase editors that we have talked about in previous episodes that they basically had his, his protection and that might be a factor, but that's been going on for years and it's either something came to a head or just somebody decided that they had had enough. Now, the deal was gone. Jim Lee, the co-publisher, is still there. So now Jim Lee is just the publisher. So, And Jim, while not without controversy, is a much less controversial figure. That doesn't sound like that's that, that high of a bar. <laughs> so, and we will see, because again, this literally is a still developing story, because it only happened this week, and we are still in the people just having conjecture and rumor phase. The The thing is, we are now about to enter the convention season, when you know, creators go to panels and people ask them questions. So we'll see what comes that from that. That just means they get to lie to people. I mean, come on. Let, let, let's, let us call a spade a shovel here for just a moment. I mean, yeah, you, how many years did you work on Emerald City Comic Con? And more than I will admit to on a video. All right. Fair enough. So, yeah, that's, 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 what's hap that's really the big news in comics right now. I mean, obviously there's storylines and all kinds of shenanigans going on. And for some reason, Marvel has this obsession with turning Carol Danvers into a villain in the comic books. But be that as it may. Well, heaven knows they hated her movie enough. But... That movie that made a billion dollars? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that one. Lobo the, Lobo the Duck. Somebody's... What could possibly go no, wrong? Um, there's a discussion in the chat about, uh, so there is, because of what's happening with the deal and other things, there is thought that we might finally get another cross-company uh, crossover between Marvel and DC, which hasn't happened since. Uh, oh, they did one, and it involved then a month or two where we got Amalgam Comics, where they did composite characters of DC and Marvel characters uh, one of which was Lobo the Duck, a composite of Lobo and Howard the Duck. You had Super Patriot, the composite ba Superman, Captain America, and Dark Claw, the composite Wolverine, Batman. You just hurt my head. I have to do that at least once an episode, or it's not an episode of this. True. See, I was hoping for Logan the Duck myself. You know, no, with metal no. with like metal wings or something. No, <laughs> no. Logan got to be Logan was high profile enough. He got to be Batman. Oh. And uh, Superboy and Spider-Man. Spider-Boy. Because at the time of the crossover, they were both clones. <laughs> Dr. Fate and Dr. Strange. Dr. Strange Fate, who was secretly Dr. Professor Charles Xavier. I guess it's better than Should having Dr. Should I stop? Have I hurt you enough? I, I guess it's better than having Dr. Strange love. Oh, this was great. Captain Marvel and Captain Marvel. The Shazam, <laughs> Captain Marvel, and the... So he was just Captain Marvel in the Kree uniform with the lightning bolt. I, I, I'm sorry, I'm getting flashbacks to that moment when uh, Spider-Man meets Doctor Strange. He's, oh, we're using made-up names. In that case, I'm Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, right, looking at the looking at our timer, I I do try and keep these episodes about an hour. We so, try. Hey, it's book time. It's book time. What Your, are you reading, Jeff? Um, so I'm just starting. Uh, came tumbling down the fifth book in Shauna McGuire's Wayward Children series. Ah. Okay. Which, all right, it has been confirmed. In The Wayward Children, there is a character from a gothic horror universe named Jillian that involves vampires. 
Shannon has said directly, she named that character after my sister Jillian, who is a friend of hers. Jill, my sister, was like, there's no way Shannon named this character after me. It's just a coincidence. And then because Jack and Jill, because Jacqueline and Jillian are the sisters. And then Shannon said, Oh no, I, I came up with Jack and Jill after I decided to name the character after you. Jill was like, why? This is a sixth character in somebody's fictional work that has been named after her. Because she's such a wonderful person. Yes, I know you're rela- you're related to her. You don't have to answer you, that question. You didn't have the epic sibling bickering with her on Friday that I did. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, anyway, the point is, I uh, it is still a wonderful book series. I love the way we're children the series. The series, children series are great. The encrypted series is wonderful. Yes, because there's a new. Uh, I think the ninth book of that series is out now. I'd have to count. I know we're on the fifth Wayward Children book. Well, and Wayward Children. Machine. She writes like a. Well, she, she's very, she is very professional. And she the likes fact, eating and sleeping indoors. Is. So, uh, anyway, so yeah, Wayward Children, which will be a sci fi uh, channel, has optioned for a TV series. Awesome. So, what have you been reading? Uh, well, in, in the world of fiction, the last, aside from the, uh, the boys that I've been writing, uh, I finished Chuck Wendig's The Wanderers. Which is a lovely, I mean, okay. Mm-hmm. For values that include end of the world, apocalyptic, and genre, it's a lovely book. Uh, it's a thick book. It's like eight, nine hundred pages, something like that. But it's, it's, it's a remarkably good heir to that. Captain Trips in the Stand sort of end of the world sort of thing. Uh, the bonus is is that I got to listen to it on audiobook and come to find out it was um, narr- co-narrated by uh, one of the people that we know, Exy Sands. Okay. Uh, and so it was wonderful getting to, he- to, to find a friend of mine in the wild. Um, so there was that. Uh, but yeah, Wanderers is the last that... Uh, oh, and I'm finally back. For those of you on the Twitch side of things, uh, I was a fan of Terry Pratchett for a very long time. And by fan, I mean I enjoyed hearing people talk about his stuff, but I never read any of it myself. That was me. Yes. Well, it was you among many others. Mm-hmm. But I could tell you everything you ever wanted to know about all these different characters because people talk about them so much and because they love them so much and because they're such well-formed characters. Um, so about a year ago, I finally started reading through the Discworld series in order. Uh, and I had to take about a six-month hiatus because moving pictures was not good. I, res- I love the man. I respect the man. Moving Pictures was not his best work. Um, but the next one in the series after that was Reaper Man. Yes, one of the... Which of- is by far and away not only one of my favorites so far, but yes, people hold up as being one of the best Discworld novels a- across the board. And I just... It, that has reignited my interest. Okay. So while I do have 60 books on my TBR list right now, the next book, which is which is Abroad... Uh, is figures heavily in that. Sure. So in the chat, uh, Storyteller's Apprentice is saying that he's wishing someday somebody will remember the Lensman books. Lensman books. One of the things Storyteller is going to be, Lensman may suffer a little bit from what happened with John Carter 
in that uh, John Carter, the novels, inspired so much of modern science fiction and fantasy that when the movie came out, they didn't prep the audience to understand that this is what inspired Star Wars and Superman and all these other things. So people called it derivative. Lensman has the same thing. Lensman was so influential on so much science fiction, the Green Lantern Corps, um, aspects of Star Trek, all this stuff that if they do a Lensman novel and they don't prep the audience that this is where the cliches and some of the elements came from, they're going to call it derivative, not realizing it's the original source. It's not derivative. Yeah, it's the, not the derivative. It's the from, from which everything else is derived. Yeah, it's where it came from. But if they don't make that clear, then, uh, yeah, outside, yeah, you're right. Outside of the anime in the 80s, um, oh, they did a beautiful Jap anime. Uh, it took liberties with the story, but it was still Lensman. Um, that uh, I got it, one word for you, Nosferatu. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> that uh, it's uh, it could suffer from that. So, last thing I want to touch on before we wrap up for the day, and it's a little personal, although it's broad as well. Uh, Netflix has a new Transformers series coming out soon. Okay. Uh, it is actually going to depict the War of Cybertron, which for Transformers fans, that's a big deal, and not so, not something that has been gone greatly in depth on. Now, the reason that there's a personal hook in this, besides the fact that I'm a Transformers fan and I would watch it anyway, is the Twitch community that I am part of. Um, one of the people in the community that, that is very prominent is a voice actor named Edward Bosco. He runs the wrestling show that I have a character on. So I've mentioned it before on this podcast. He is voicing two characters Oh, in the new Transformers series. Cool. He's going to be Ultra Magnus and Soundwave. So, hey, shout out to Bosco. Congratulations. Glad you're getting work. But also, we're getting a new Transformers series uh, done um, uh, that's going to hit on an element that fans could be very interested in. And it looks like it's going to be a fairly serious take. Uh, in fact, the, the only question I have is, if they're on Cybertron, they haven't gone to Earth yet, why does Optimus Prime look like a semi? I, but I'm willing to give that a I'm willing to give that a pass because it's Transformers and it's going to happen. So I was going to say we could get into the platonic layers of mm, you know there's the idea of moving things or and then there is the or not we we could not do that. <laughs> so anyway, uh, late try uh, with that uh, for those of you who are our regular listeners on the podcast, those of you who have found us on Twitch, want to thank you uh, as we wrap up. Uh, if you uh, would like to drop us a line, we can be reached at fanboynewsnetwork at gmail.com. Uh, we also have a Twitter account, fanboy underscore network. For those of you listening to the podcast, we are live streaming and you can be found on Twitch at twitchtv.com uh, slash Dr. Underscore Caliban. I'll put it in the show notes. because I was going to say that. You want to do that one again? Yeah. No, I really don't. Okay. Uh, we'll, we'll put it in the show notes. Uh, and uh, we will be... So the question Daniel and I are going to be settling in the meantime. Right now, we've gone to a monthly schedule. Um, we may be sticking to that or depending... It's really depending on how often Daniel wants to come over uh, on the ferry boat to visit. Uh, we may move back to a bi-weekly schedule. Uh, it's but, summertime. Anything's possible. Yeah, but uh, I think we can both agree that the Twitch experiment seemed to work pretty well. Really good. Uh, so uh, I think we're going to keep, at least for now, um, when we are podcasting, we'll let people know that we're going to do it on Twitch. We've got a decent enough audience. We've had an interactive chat. So I think we'll keep doing this. So with that, uh, thank you all very much. Uh, 
So for the Twitch, uh, those on Twitch, we'll keep talking for a little bit. But for those of you on podcast, thank you very much, and we'll talk to you all later. Have a good weekend, y'all. This program is produced by Jeff Harris and Fanboy News Network and is copyright 2020 to Jeff Harris and Fanboy News Network. All rights are reserved, including rights to copy and redistribute this program. All music in this podcast comes from the Footage Firm and is used under a royalty-free license. 